The other thing that I wanted to do is I wanted to pray over you. Tonight we're going to, we have, we have a special service tonight. I know some of you came in here and you didn't realize that, but you're in for a treat. Why do I say a treat? Well, because anytime the Lord does something extraordinary, right, it's a treat. Even when it's the ordinary, it's a treat, but this is extra. And so we are going to be able to have opportunity tonight to make some adjustments down on the inside of us maybe that need to be made. And, and what I'm going to ask of all of you is if you're willing to open yourself up to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm yours, have your way with me. I want you to stand up with me because I'm standing. And we're going to pray and we're going to ask the Lord to do heart surgery on us tonight. You know, the Word says that the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder even to the bone and marrow and joint, all these things. And so, it is too easy of a thing to allow our everyday life pressures culture to creep into our mindsets. And the Lord wants to do surgery tonight on our mindsets. So if you're willing, if you're able to stand, stand with me. And I'm going to pray a prayer in Colossians over you. Father, I just ask you, that you would fill us tonight with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that we might walk worthy of you, Lord, fully pleasing to you in every way. Father, I ask you to help us that we might bear fruit in good work for you, that we would grow in the knowledge of who you are and who you want us to be and how you want us to be. Father, I ask that You strengthen us with all power according to Your glorious might. Lord, that we might have great endurance, great patience, great joy, and that we would give thanks to You, Father, because You've enabled us to share in the inheritance of the saints. Lord, we bless You for this. I ask You, Lord, to reveal truth and light to us tonight. We give You permission to... to operate on us, to allow Your Word to divide what should not be to what should be. I thank You for this, Lord. Have Your way, Your will, in Jesus' name, and Amen. You may be seated. We are going to, uh, everyone here is invited to a special service tomorrow. Apostle Dale will tell you about that and um, what it's about. And so without further ado, come, love you. Well, this meeting and this evening has been a burden on my heart for about, well, about two weeks, I guess. And honestly, I didn't think, <clears throat> I didn't think it was a sermon. I thought it was prayer. And then as the Lord was leading, uh, Pastor Sidney asked me to minister in the evening meeting. And a few days later, I received a phone call from, or actually was on the phone with, uh, Pastor Bill Haig and his wife Donna, and they invited me and you, and I want to really encourage you to come. It would be really a blessing to me personally if you were able to make it uh, to two services tomorrow. Their, their, their typical Sunday service begins at 9.30 where they have like a Bible study hour, and, and they teach the Bible. Then their regular worship service begins at 1030. Uh, so what we're going to do, this is in York, Pennsylvania, Abundant Life Center. And we'll have plenty of folks here that can give you the address. 
um, but it's just across the river. And uh, uh, 9.30, I'm going to teach on healing, on the power of God and how to be healed. Then at 10.30, we're just going to move in, maybe a little more teaching. I don't know how the Lord will, will do it, but we will be having a healing service. Now, I really love Pastor Bill's spirit. He, he didn't, I pressed him for this. And uh, it's, but it's not about Pastor Bill. Now, should his strength be there? And some of you, maybe you don't know who Pastor Bill is. And, and also you may not know he's uh, facing some severe physical challenges. And, uh, but Bill's been a friend of ours for umpteen years. And uh, if his strength is, Sufficient, and I believe it will be. Well, then they'll they'll bring him into the ten thirty service. But at the same time, as you'll understand, as I share tonight, uh, it's it's something larger than just praying for Bill. And if you have anyone, your neighbor, family member, loved one, or a stranger you saw on the street, and you can get them there. I don't know about you, but I believe in the healing power of God. And it's time for us to respond accordingly. Not that we have it, but there is a, a level where we as a body are going to rise up by the Spirit. I can see it taking place. It's not about me. It's not about this one or that one. It's about God working through the church. Amen? And it... Is ex it's exhilarated me, really has, when, when all of this began to fall into place. And, and much of that is how I, I, I just... There's a, there's a scripture in the book of Acts where James, the Lord's brother, Jesus' brother, James says, it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us. Isn't that a strange statement? But you know, I, I based a lot of my decision-making on that. You know, it seems good to the Holy Ghost. I may not have a direct, uh, 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 detailed punch list of what's going to happen, but it seems good to the Holy Ghost. And so then you see things beginning to fall into place, and I appreciate Pastor Sidney's uh, uh, obedience to the Holy Ghost, having no knowledge of any of what I'm sharing with you. And he could be up here preaching just as, as readily as I, but, but in obedience to the Holy Ghost. And then I got on the phone. And uh, started calling some brothers. I called Pat. Pat and Lynn, wave your hand. Pat and Lynn, pastor way over in Man's Choice, uh, uh, three hours and 15 minutes from here. And uh, long, long ways. Now, they don't hold the record. Kevin and Kelly Burroughs hold the record. But Pat and Lynn drove for over two years every Sunday to come to church, that three hours and 15 minutes. And... Uh, Kevin and Kelly hold the record for however many years, and it's uh, more like five and a half hours. But, uh, but then tonight, I think we have to admit, Jay holds the record for tonight because <laughs> he flew from the western slope of the Rocky Mountains and flew from Delta uh, to be with us tonight and tomorrow. So I called Pat, and Pat's like, you know, I said, Brother, if, I know you got a service on Sunday, but if you could be here. And he said, Pastor, he said, Lynn and I will be here. No, we're going to make it happen. 
then I called Bob. He said, I'll drive down, you know, and, and we appreciate the three of them sitting over there in the corner, uh, like they don't belong, but they're, they do belong. Hallelujah. And they've come to add their faith to ours because we are one body. Amen. So then I, 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 I took me prayer and intercession and, and rebuking the devil before I could get a hold of Jay because he, he, he tries to be like me. He just doesn't communicate much. And, uh, <laughs> no, I'm teasing him. Finally, Jay, Jay called me and I, I shared what was on my heart. Probably not more than what I've just said to y'all. And, uh, I asked him, I said, I'd like you to get on a plane. He said, I'll be there. So thank you. And I'm sharing all this, obviously to thank the brothers and sisters that are coming in but also to impress upon you what I, the weight I feel in my spirit. There's, there's something serious here. The Bible talks about a solemn assembly. Well, I don't really like the word solemn because it means, you know, glum and, and no, no joy. But, but when you look into the cases throughout the Bible, a solemn assembly many times was full of rejoicing and praise and boldness and on one, at least one occasion, the building shook. Amen. So, so to me, that's a solemn assembly. And uh, at the same time, we've seen and heard some good reports from Colorado of, of people being inclined to pray in what you might almost call a supernatural manner. I think they had Monday prayer at noon the other day and 20 people came. Glory to God. And so when you see the Spirit of God moving on a body, it just, okay, what's up? Something's up. Amen. I, I, I see something's happening. Uh, Terry, way back in Titusville, back in the 90s, led a, a group, never was very large, but for over two years, she led them in, in weekly gatherings of prayer and praying in tongues and seeking God's face. But then there was a shift and part, part of moving into the revival of God and a greater measure of His Spirit is recognizing the shift and understanding what needs to, to be sown into that. And when you can sow time and energy and prayer into that shift, well, then the Spirit of God will give you more. And uh, eventually that, I, I can see it as simple, simple as a or one or two plus two is four, as simple as that. Those seasons of prayer brought the shift that opens the door for what we had in revival was 16 weeks of nightly meetings every day. Now, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen now, but I do believe that something's happening, and I believe it's affecting not just this local congregation, but the body of Christ at large, and I, 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 and even in prayer earlier out of my spirit, the waves and the impact of these two days, they're going to be felt in Turkey. We've got family there. They're going to be felt in Iraq. We've we got family there. They're going to be felt in Philippines and, and other countries because you do business in the spirit and it responds. See, the devil hates the ministry. And we hate him. That's right. Open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 2. You know, probably the greatest example of revival. And most people probably wouldn't think it as such. 
would be the deliverance of the children of Israel out of Egypt. But I'm telling you, that was revival. They moved, a whole country moved because of a God who made himself known. But you know, it didn't start out looking real good. God always uses men because he, he flows through authority and delegated authority. And you'll find that every revival has a man or a woman. Amen. You ladies still haven't learned to shout, but that's okay. I'll keep trying to promote you. And so God raised up supernaturally a man named Moses. And I know we're all aware of it, but I want you to consider an aspect of Moses' life that you might have missed. He was a failure. He was a murderer. Have you ever met a murderer? He was an outright murderer. He killed a man and then hid him in the sand. He was guilty and afraid. And then when news started to get out and unwind, he packed up and ran away. He was a coward. He wasn't even able to face up to his crime. And he went out onto the backside of the desert and tried to build a new life outside of the will of God. But then something happened that's unusual. And if it ever happens in your lifetime, I'm just going to be honest. If it ever happens in our lifetime, we are of all men and women most blessed. Because it's not that common. Because here what happens is the man of God is, has been basically eliminated by the devil. And you know it was the devil working on him, right? You know, when Jesus was born, all those babies were killed by Herod. Why? Because the devil's looking for that one redeemer. And here all of the weight. And, and, and I'll pause and talk a little bit about that. I don't want to make Moses out to, to be more than he was nor less than he was. He was a man in need of redemption just like you. But when, but when in the spirit, the realities of what God wants to do gets out, there's, there is a special demonic assignment against men of God and women of God when they're called into ministry. I've often told Bible school students, you know, they want to be ordained. They want to be in the ministry. You just keep in, memory, in, in, in your memory that that's putting a big target right on your chest. The principle of smite the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. It's, it's a principle. And, and it was seen here in, in Moses' day. Satan went after Moses to stop what God wanted to do. I've seen it happen so many times in my own life. When Terry and I pastored in Titusville, there were three different occasions where I would turn the church over to a man we'd raised up just so I could go away for a month. Just one month. And they had three different people. Spirit-filled, full of faith and fire. Isn't it weird that three different people, different ages, different backgrounds, would have nervous breakdowns? One fellow had a nervous breakdown the day I left. We say, well, what, kind, what do you mean a nervous breakdown? I, I mean he lost it. Because there's spiritual pressure that you can't carry without the anointing. And so when you look at Moses... Keep in mind, there's a lot of mighty men of God 
like David cried about his his dear friend, uh, uh, you know Saul's son Jonathan. Oh, Jonathan, how mighty are the fallen! When he said that in the Hebrew, he was equivocating that Jonathan was greater than he was. And the devil took him out. So the devil wanted to remove Moses. There's missionaries on the field right now that we're going to be praying for that the devil's doing every bit, every, all of his force is aligned and focused to remove them, to destroy them and their memory and their work. And we're not going to let it happen. Amen. That's why I rejoice there's strength in this place and it's why I called the men in and the women in, Lynn. Amen. There's strength here. That's why I admire Sidney. He's really the first one that never cracked. It's truth. All right. So here's Moses and he's now disqualified from ministry. I don't know about you, but if you served on a pulpit committee and you were surveying for a new pastor in your church and he sat down and said, yeah, I'm a murderer. Is he going to be on the top of your list? (laughs) He wasn't qualified, but somehow God's grace. But notice what happened. I I want you to see while Moses in Exodus 2 verse 22, while Moses is saying, I'm a stranger in a strange land, verse 23 And it came to pass in process of time. There's just a whole wealth in that phrase in itself. Some things there's the right time and some things it's not the time. But I believe we're getting close to the right time. It came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died. And the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried... And their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. Now, that's, that's, it's beautifully written because it's King James. But all, of, all it means is things got so hard that they finally prayed. Circumstances got so bad that they got boxed in. Now, obviously, it wasn't a... Things got so bad that they just kind of threw up a prayer and kept going. No. No, something happened here that was determinative and had a quality about it that it hadn't happened up till now. And listen to me, because you know your Bible. You can read the rest of Exodus. It didn't happen again. And yet they went through some tough spots. They went out into the wilderness. They they encountered difficulties. But it did not bring them to this place or this heart cry. In fact, when the problem happened again, it brought them into rebellion. And hundreds of them and thousands of them and tens of thousands of them died. Because they didn't get enough water and they, they rebelled and they died. Or because they didn't get enough food. And they wanted to go back and they rebelled and they died. But in this case, there was something unique that happened. You see, learn this, friends. Problems aren't what made you who you are. It's what you do in the midst of your problems. 
Somebody says, well, the Lord put me in that car wreck so, so I would look up. No, thank God you looked up. But I've seen people go through that car wreck and they look up and curse God. See, it's what you do in the midst of your pressure. And in this case, we see the heart cry that brought God on the scene. Verse 24, and God heard their groaning. Now, if there's any intercessors in the building, you're already hearing words that you know tie into other parts of the Scripture. Sighing. Mourning. You know, Paul dealt with it later in 1 Corinthians, I believe it's in chapter 7. He said, you got so much sin in your church, it's the kind of sin that shouldn't even be talked about. And I'm just, you know, I'm more surprised that you haven't prayed than I am over the sin. I'm more surprised that you haven't mourned, that's the word he used, so that this sinner would be judged. That's a pretty strong uh, uh, mandate against them, isn't it? But there he used the word mourned, that here we have the word sighing. See, mourning and sighing. Mourning, M-O-U-R-N, meaning to weep with grief. Sighing. Is, is caught up in the vernacular and the vocabulary of an intercessor. So God heard their groanings. Again, another word that you intercessors perked up on. Romans 8.26 is one of the great scriptures. Amen. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. For we know not what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself, hallelujah, makes intercession for us with groanings. And I'm not trying to be funny, but when's the last time you laid on your face on the floor weeping and groaning? Well, I expect some of you will. I'm sorry you came tonight. Because God wants to use His body. And you stood up. I didn't ask Sydney to do that. And you stood up and say, Lord, use me. But see, God heard their groanings and God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect to them. Now for God to respect them, it means that this groaning and this sighing had faith in it. Because God doesn't respect it without faith. So it wasn't just desperation crying out. I want to get that across. It wasn't, it wasn't a prayer of desperation. Desperation may have brought them to that place of prayer. But when God falls upon His people and God's people begin to pray... God then has an avenue through which he can move. Andrew Murray said in one of his uh, sermons that it seems that God can do nothing except someone pray. In fact, I'll give you the full quote. He said, God does nothing but in answer to prayer. And even those who have been converted to God without praying for it themselves, which is exceedingly rare, we're not without the prayers of others. I know some of you are here because you had a praying grandmother. Some of you, are, I'm here because I had a praying grandmother, a praying mother, 
If you do have a praying mother, you might as well just submit and quit right now and get right with God because she's going to win. Amen? Some of you are praying mothers, and don't you worry about them rebellious kids of yours. Their number's up. Amen? Amen? See, God remembers His covenant. He, he, he brings this body to a place of prayer, so then He remembers His covenant that He has made. And I remember His covenant. Part of His covenant is, 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 was cut in blood and says, by His stripes you were healed. So it says, well, that's what I believe. How, what do we need all this prayer for? Because we need more than just you to be healed. We need signs and wonders. We need, we need manifestations like Catherine Kuhlman experienced where people would walk by the building. They weren't even going to the meeting and walk by the building and get healed. Somebody said, well, I never heard anything like that. Well, read your Bible. The Bible's talked about how they brought the sick into Jerusalem so that Peter's shadow would just touch them. We talk about laying on of hands and anointing oil. Where's your shadow healing ministry? <laughs> Amen. And, and so how, how do you get into places like that where God's power is busting forth so strong? Where, where does revival come from? It comes from a, a unique moment that God moves in the body. And often we don't talk about it because we get our eyes hung up on the man he uses. So we begin to look at Moses and we go through these exciting chapters and we see what God did for Moses. But I want to bring you up real quick and recognize the only reason God moved through Moses was because somewhere there were people praying. Amen. I learned that trick and I taught some of the Bible students in the Soviet Union, I said, you know, they would graduate, then they would go out and start churches. And I told them, I said, you get out there and you start a church and you, you feel in your heart that it's God's will for me to come. I said, all you need to do is get to praying. Because if you get to praying and you ask God to send me, I'll come to you on the road of your prayers. And I'm telling you what, that's what it did. And it's a whole lot easier to go to a place that's been praying and is prepared than it is to go bust down doors all on your own. God is about to move in us in unique ways, I firmly believe this, to fight the onslaught of the enemy where he has targeted several leaders in the body of Christ. And he's desired to take them out and remove them. But not only is he not going to remove them, but we're going to take back from the enemy things he had no clue. And we're going to push it further. In Jesus' name. Amen. See, go with me over to Psalms 107. This, this is a principle, like I said, that if you just get to taste it and walk in it just once in your life, I, I, think, I think we're all of all men most blessed. We look at the history of revivals and we think, what would it have been to been like to have been back then when Charles Finney was preaching. Well, I, I've read most of what is written on Finney, his autobiography and several other biographies of other that, that knew him, Asa Mahan and a couple others. And, and uh, 
if you dig in, you, you begin to see what is it on the surface. Is that there was a whole lot of prayer going on before Charles Finney was even born again. Potentially very much like what I just introduced about Moses. There was a prayer movement that, went, that rippled through New England. There were other men of God. Uh, uh, what was he? Nettleton was, a, was one that was mightily used to God, but quickly forgotten. And there were prayer groups and, and revivals of prayer that sprung up all over that then many times moved into the political realm. They were called abolitionists. They were believers who said slavery is wrong and they didn't know how to stop it. So they would begin to pray. And they gathered to pray because there was a corrupt government. The government was so corrupt. One time a Democrat stood up with his walking cane with a brass handle on it and walked across the aisle and nearly beat the Republican to death unto the ground. That was our Congress. The government was so corrupt that when they had an election in the mid-1800s, they, they refused and Abraham Lincoln wasn't even on the ballot in 10 states. Can you imagine if in the next election in two years, the Republican candidate isn't even on the ballot in 10 states? We haven't even got, as, we haven't even got a smidgen close to as bad as it was prior to the Civil War. Did you know that for seven years in the Congress, it was illegal to talk about slavery? You would go to federal prison? A congressman or a senator could not talk about Negroes, blacks, or slavery. They had a list of words that it was illegal to say for seven years. You talk censorship is not new. That beats Facebook hands down. But what did the church do? They did what they're supposed to do. And there were revivals of prayer that swept the nation. And yeah, God raised up men. Men like Charles Finney. And yeah, Charles Finney had seven different letters corresponding with Abraham Lincoln demanding the end of slavery. But it was the power of the Spirit of God in the life of the church in moving in this undercurrent that people aren't even aware of first. But then for those of you with a bent towards intercession, you, you, you'll dig beneath those undercurrents like the abolitionists and you'll realize there were intercessors. Let me say it another way. There were places where men and women laid on the floor and wept and groaned and sighed and cried out to God until he heard their cry and he answered and he remembered his covenant and he brought blessing to our, our people. People say, well, God will bless America. Well, you can forget about America. It's the whole world he's interested in. Sure, he'll bless America, but he'll bless Tahiti. He'll bless Mexico. He'll bless Guatemala. He'll bless Syria. He'll bless, he'll bless wherever, the bot, wherever my foot treads. I mean, I'm particular to America because I live here. But I remember talking to one Ukrainian pastor. I said, what are you going to do if the Russians invade? He said, I guess I'll be a Russian missionary. <laughs> I said, good perspective. Amen. But there were people like 
Daniel Nash, who was weird. Uh, he used to put a veil over his face because the light hurt his eyes. So he'd walk into services with this, looked like a wedding veil over his face. But he'd pray. And he made up, struck up a friendship with, with uh, Charles Finney. And so Finney would send him ahead and he'd go into cities and he'd say, who's, who's the leadership in this city and who's the worst sinners? And he'd write their name down. And then he would go find some room somewhere. One time it was in a basement. One time it was in a, in a log. He crawled into a log, a hollow log. And he laid on his face and he wept before God and he prayed. Now, now hold on. I want you to understand this. You can't make that happen. No more than you could make what happened in Egypt. See, I want you to see it was a move of the Spirit. Because for the same generation, they couldn't make it happen again. And when they got into trouble, they rebelled. When they got into trouble, they wanted to go back to Egypt. Now, this is something when God moves, we got to be willing to shift and get into the move with Him. Amen. I mean, it was moving so strong in New England. Can you think of that? I mean, put yourself in his place. He couldn't find a room to rent in the town, so he went outside the town and crawled in a hollow log and groaned in the Spirit and prayed and prayed until revival came. And in many of those cities, they'd get nearly the entire city born again. They'd have extended meetings. Finney was holding a meeting one time Rochester, New York, and Barnum and Bailey Cir Circus came to town, and nobody went to the circus. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. Somebody said, well, I don't like uh, Finney's doctrine. Well, well, I like the way he does things better than the way you don't. <laughs> we'll sort out his doctrine later. Amen. So look here in Psalms 107, verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. For His mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That's a commandment. I guess we'll need to read it again. Yes. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Yeah. Amen. God will tell you what to say. See, a lot of people don't know what they've been redeemed from. He redeemed me from the hand of the enemy. You see, Moses was redeemed from the hand of the enemy. There's men and women of God that need to be redeemed from the hand of the enemy. He gathered them out of the lands from the east, from the west, from the north, and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. He led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. See, now, in, in all of that issue, 
They went out and they had a hard time and they rebelled and they died and then they turned. Amen. And when they turned, he's gracious and he delivered them. How many times? Time after time, all through the march of history. Let's read on. He satisfies the longing soul. He fills the hungry soul with goodness. Jesus used that verse in the Beatitudes, by the way. Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. See, I don't know who you know. Maybe you know someone sitting in the shadow of darkness. In the shadow of death. Being bound in affliction and iron. Because they rebelled against the words of God and they condemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore He brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and He saved them out of their distresses. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and He broke their bands in sunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He broke in the gates of brass, He cut the bars of iron in sunder. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Their soul abhors all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saves them out of their distresses. He sent his word and he healed them and he delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. For He commands and raises the stormy wind which lifts up the waves. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and He brings them out of their distresses. He makes the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet. So he brings them into their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Did you see the repetition? Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. And he saves them out of their distresses. Do you see the repetition? Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Maybe it's not in your Bible. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. He doesn't care what you've done. 
He doesn't care where you've been. He doesn't care how you've missed it. He forgives. He forgets. When you cry. Oh, when you cry. Did you see the repetition? Then they cry unto the Lord in their distresses. In their trouble. And He saves them out of their distresses. The fool, because of his transgression and because of his iniquity, is afflicted. Then they cry. Then they cry. <laughs> and He sends His Word and heals them. And He delivers them from their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Hallelujah! I'm redeemed! Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. It doesn't matter how hard it gets. We get stronger. I don't care what the news says. I don't care what next month brings. I know what my Father will bring. I had the privilege in 1993 of meeting some of the uh, believers that had lived through the horrible persecutions of the Soviet Union. I remember sitting with an old man in his 80s in Mariupol, Ukraine, who'd, who pastored during the, the, the terrible reign of terror and how he had been subjected to electrocution. Uh, uh, he'd been the repeated... Uh, well, they didn't kill him by drowning, but they would try to, uh, uh, like a waterboarding, by putting him in a bathtub time after time after time. And every time, he'd go back out to the street corner or back to his church and preach again. I don't care what the devil thinks he can bring. I know what God can bring. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. I'm not, I'm not predicting bad times. I'm predicting Holy Ghost times. The bad times are irrelevant. He didn't say He'd meet my needs so long as gas stayed below $4 a gallon. He, he said He'd meet our needs. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness. I had the privilege at that same time in 1993 to sit with a group of them, Bruce Latibu and I. We sat with a group in Minsk and we talked to them through the interpreter and they shared stories with us. And one, one woman shared the story, actually a woman and a man in a wheelchair. He'd, he, he'd been put in a wheelchair because he helped with Chernobyl. And uh, they talked about how, you've probably heard this testimony because Gloria Copeland told it all over the place because I told her. <laughs> they, they talked about how they were having church and they would meet in different places and they, they kept getting raided by the, the police and they realized they had a traitor in their midst there's about 80 of them who's the traitor 
So the pastor prayed and God told him how to, how to find the traitor. He said, this week we're not telling you where we're meeting. And 79 people showed up in the right place. Doesn't matter how bad it gets. Not if you're following the Spirit. Amen? Not if you... It's oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness. See, we need to make sure we stay on the right side of this transaction. When things get worse, we're not going to rebel. If things get worse, we're not going to rebel. No, we're going to stay on the right side of this transaction. We're going to be like those in Exodus. And we're going to sigh. And we're going to groan. And, and, and we don't need to understand a whole lot of what's going on any more than what we do need to understand is how God goes along and how God moves. Amen. I saw a, a display of God's judgment in uh, Abakan, Siberia. I had been teaching for the week and in the middle of the week a pastor came in and he looked like death warmed over. He looked distraught. His eyes were red from weeping. And he sat in the section with the pastors. He was a new face. But, but I saw the agony in his face. It, 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 it drew my compassion to him. And while I was teaching in a morning session, the Spirit of God said, give him $50. And so... After the session, I would go back into this little room they had for me, like the green room. It's tinier than that, but they, they had a little chair there for me, and usually they'd have a tea or coffee for me, and, and uh, you know, so I could rest between the messages. And I sat there, and I said to my interpreter, oh, I, I described that pastor, and he said, yeah, yeah. And, and I said, can you bring him to me? Oh, sure, pastor. So he brought him in, and while he's bringing him in, I looked in my pocket, and I didn't have $50. All I had was hundreds. And so I thought, well, <laughs> no problem. I'll give him 100 bucks. And the Spirit of God jumped on me. No, I said, give him 50. I wasn't supposed to give him 100. Well, I thought that was weird. I never had God tell me not to give him more. So when Oleg came back in and this fellow came in and he was just, you know, downcast. And, and I said, Oleg, I said, I got a problem, Oleg. I said, can you break a hundred? I'm in the middle of Siberia. <laughs> and Oleg looks at me and he says, I'll try. So I gave him a hundred dollar bill and he came back with two fifty dollar bills. So I, you know, we're doing it privately. And I turned to this guy the whole time. He's just been standing there because he don't speak English and. I turned to him and I gave him this $50. I, didn't even, I just gave it to him. And he hit the floor on his knees. And a sob came out of his heart that just put shivers through my whole body. And he started to worship and praise. <sighs> and cry to God. There's a heart cry to God. I didn't know what was going on, but something was going on that was beyond $50. So after he'd gotten out of that, he shared with Oleg, translating to me, 
the town where he was pastoring, they elected a new mayor. See, the devil wants to stop ministry. And they elected this new mayor, and the new mayor didn't like the church. So they were renting a, uh, a theater building. So he, he, he worked behind the scenes and got them kicked out. So they didn't have a church. So then they, it was summertime, so they started to meet in the park, and they'd put up a little stage. So the mayor passed a law after a few weeks that you couldn't hold a meeting in the park without a permit. And they wouldn't give them a permit. So they didn't have anywhere to preach, so they went to the park and preached anyway. There was about 250 of them. So then they'd wait till he was just, they'd get through all the worship, they'd, they allowed all that until the pastor started to preach. Then the police would come in with batons and start beating everybody up. And they'd hit them in the heads. And they, they, they got up on the platform, and the pastor's son was a big guy. He was big like Jake, you know. And uh, they, they, they beat him down to the ground. Then they'd beat the pastor. And for some reason, they took the pastor and his son to prison. Everybody else kind of ran away. They didn't, they didn't beat the women. So he would get in prison with his son. And to get him out of prison, they had to pay to get out. It was $50. So they paid the money, the church had it and paid it, and they'd get out, and they'd go back to preach again, and they'd get beat up again, the crowds would get smaller, and they'd go to prison, and they'd pay $50 to get them out. After a while, after half a dozen times of being beaten up and God's not answering prayer, the son backslid. He, 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 he ran. The daughter that was the worship leader, she backslid, she ran. Crowds got down to a dozen. And the pastor went up on a platform and he preached by himself and they beat him again and they put him in prison and it took two weeks for them to get 50 bucks. And they finally got the 50 bucks and he got out on a Wednesday and they drove and he came to my meeting. And he was praying in the car and he was praying during the whole service. He didn't hear a word I said because he was praying, what do I do? Do I go back and preach? But if I go back and preach, I don't have any money. And then this stupid redneck gives him $50. So then he goes back to get beat up and go to prison and I get on a plane and fly to comfy America. I didn't hear anything. This was back in the days of fax machines. I went back some months later and I went back to the same church. Oleg was there and he's smiling and he said, pastor's here, you remember? He wants to talk to you. He wasn't death warmed over anymore. He had a look of victory in his face. And he came up to me. And he said, I went, I said, well, what'd you do? He said, I went back. What happened? They beat me up, put me in prison, but I had $50. I said, well, what happened after that? He said, 
couple days after that, the mayor went clinically insane. He's, he's literally in the crazy house. So they elected a new mayor, and he's a believer. And the church gave us three acres in the center of town. And we're building a building. Was wondering if you'd come and preach. It's not built yet, but we put up a tent. Oh, I forgot to tell you one sweet part about this whole story. I need about five more minutes. Does anybody in here give me five minutes? Yeah, amen. I won't even. After I gave him the $50, we did the Bible school in the morning. You know, he was on his knees and he told me about his son and his daughter being backslid. And that they run away. They got beat up so much. That night, that night, we were in the public service where there was over 700 fit in that room. I never met his son. I never met his daughter. But while I was preaching, I started calling people out and ministering to them. And there was a young man. The Lord told me to give him, his, give him my tie while I'm preaching. So I called him up, pulled him up, and had him stand up front. And the Lord said, keep preaching. I'd given him the tie. So then I kept preaching, and I saw this girl somewhere else in the crowd. I said, and the Lord said, bring her up front. And I pulled her up front, and the place went nuts. And then I look over, and there's the pastor doing another thing, you know, weeping before God. Out of 700 people, God pulled out the son and the daughter. They weren't even sitting together. So they got right with the Lord. And uh, he was my bodyguard when I went down to the city, but we didn't need him. See, let me, maybe you didn't know it was in your Bible. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saves them out of their distresses. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's not in your new version. Let me read it to you out of the Paul's Bible. Then they cry. <laughs> No, I don't believe that. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. And He saves them out of their distresses. Oh, 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 that men would praise the Lord. Come on, John. For His goodness and for the wonderful works to the children of men. Hallelujah. Go over with me to Acts. Let's look. You know the book of Acts. The Acts of the Holy Ghost. In the book of Acts, in chapter 4, they, these, these apostles, they'd been through the ringer. You know, come on. That three years of miracle ministry and then persecution. You know, I, I listen to these people. They say, well, Jesus healed the sick to prove He was God. He raised the dead and it made them want to kill Him. They weren't listening. They, they didn't even come to a place of repentance. See, this is what I want you to see. See, if it happens in our generation, we are of all men most blessed. 
It didn't happen then. It didn't happen then. They wanted to kill him. He said, he said uh, all these cities he named, the cities he'd been in, he said, if, if these miracles had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented. They would have cried out to God. They, they would have said, Lord, in our distress, come and save us. And he would have saved them. It didn't happen during the three years. And, there, and, and Jesus was, was crucified. Then it started to get exciting. He was raised from the dead. But they go out and they, they, they heal the, 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 the man. He leaps like, like, and dances at the gate called Beautiful. And, and they still don't respond. In fact, they gather all the apostles in and they beat them. And they command them, don't you preach or teach anymore in this name. And so, being persecuted by their religious leaders, being persecuted by their government. Look in Acts 4, verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own company. I'm not going to tell you what's coming on the earth or on our nation, but I will tell you this, you better have your own company. You better know your family. You better have your church. Amen. Your church doesn't believe in divine healing. You need to get out. Your church doesn't believe in victory and strength that comes from God. You better get out or you'll be put out. Amen. They found their own company. I'm so glad we have a company. I'm so glad I can sit down with believers that know what I'm talking about. That have the same spirit of faith where, where words echo back and forth. Thank God. And they went to their own company and they reported all that the chief priests and elders had said. And when they heard that, now, now follow with me. When they heard that, the whole company, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. And they said, Lord, Thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of Thy servant David has said, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers have gathered together against the Lord and against His Messiah. For of a truth against Thy holy child Jesus, whom you have anointed. Now listen to me. This isn't preaching. This is praying. And it's not one man praying. It's a company praying. They lifted up their voices. They. That means you and me. They. The, for of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, and the Gentiles, and the Democrats, and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, now, Lord, now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. How? By stretching forth. This was a prayer. This wasn't preaching. By stretching forth thy hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. 
I want you to see what this was. This is hard to bring about. It's one of the hardest things to do is to get people into agreement. It's hard to get people into agreement to pray. They, they prayed this prayer. They all lifted up their voice. Well, one reason they were able to do it is half of it's scripture. Pa- Pastor Sidney read us, uh, and prayed through a, a prayer out of Colossians. Well, they were praying out of Psalms 2. Well, they all knew Psalms 2. Don't, don't go give the Lord's Prayer a bad name because it can get people praying the same thing and in unity and, and in one accord. There's something about unity. Oh, don't, don't, don't lose it. Oh, we need another uh, a leader in America like Moses or like Kenneth Hagin or Oral Roberts or Billy Graham. No, before that, we need people that will lay on their face before God and groan and pray and cry. The leader will come. He might already be in this room. But the people need to be stirred to pray in unity. And when they prayed, verse 31, and when they prayed, they, say they, They. when they prayed, they weren't listening to a prayer. When they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled again with the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. They were all filled with a fresh infilling of the Spirit. I don't know about you, friends, but that's what I want tonight. I want a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. Whoo! Glory to God. Now, we, we can carry it on. I'm going to give you some history. You can read it on. They went on out with great power and great grace and and they started to work miracles and it impacted the people and the people's hearts bound together in love and it it wasn't communism. It, It was a group that was tight and they were full of love and it was so strong that not one of them lacked anything because they all treated each other the same. Jesus said, they're going to know your believers by your love. And, and, they, and then in the midst of that, there was, there was this one fellow, Barnabas. He came running to the apostles and he sold all of his property and he threw it at the apostles' feet. You see, there's something about a shift when revival's on. People, they're not pushed into it. They, something in their heart responds and they, they bring forth offerings. I was in Titusville, Terry and I, we were pastoring. And, and I know Karen was there. Kevin and Kelly was there. I think Bob was on assignment. And, and uh, we had fought for nearly seven years to get a building. We couldn't get a toehold in that city. And all of a sudden, this huge miracle opened up. It was huge. And, and, and it, was, it was a multi-million dollar building for, for $120,000 because my wife, she said, because well, I was going to tell them I'll offer 150 and she said, we, we can't even afford that. So, I mean, if they're going to give it to you, why write such a high number? <laughs> so she saved us 30 grand. Boom, I just changed it. And they gave it to us at, a, at that price. But, but there's a problem. We didn't even have the down payment. We didn't have enough for the down payment. And I didn't know what to do. Lord, what are you going to do? And I get this phone call from this crazy nutcase. 
Hello, Brother Dale. It's Ron Kahn. How are you, Brother Dale? The Lord's been speaking to me about you, Brother Dale. The Lord told me that your church needs money and that I'm supposed to come and hold a three-day meeting and raise offerings. Do you need money, Brother Dale? Have I heard from the Lord, Brother Dale? God bless him. I love him. And I said, yeah, Brother Ron. I said, we do. This is the situation. Oh, he starts shouting. Then I heard from God. Yeah, you did. So he came and held a three-day meeting. And he, and he taught us on the solemn assembly. And he brought the fear of God into the church. And something happened. People started coming up and putting money on the altar. And jewelry. And shotguns. And keys to cars. Coin collections. We... we it, it took us two weeks to sell the stuff because we didn't even know how to sell it. There wasn't no eBay back then. <laughs> Prized possessions. We had way more than the down payment. God bless Ron Kahn. But there was this, it was a move of the Spirit. You cannot enforce it. You go out and say, well, you know, this is how we're going to form our church. You'll just be the next hot cult. But when the Spirit forms it, you can't stop it. And so they, this favor and power and grace, it says, great power and great grace. And people started pouring money into this ministry. And then there was two of them that thought they'd get in on it and become famous. And they didn't last long, did they? Ananias and Sapphira tried to make themselves out like they were Barnabas and, and the Holy Ghost would have no, nothing. So, but a lot of people, they get confused. Why, why did God kill Ananias and Sapphira? Because they were playing with fire. If God's starting a revival, don't touch it. You don't offer strange fire on the altar. It wasn't just lying to the Holy Ghost. It was lying to the Holy Ghost that would stop the revival. And he doesn't like it. And so Ananias and Sapphira get carried out. And they move into such anointing and power that Peter, I mean, they, they went out into all the countryside. And they bring, look at verse 14. The believers were more multiplied to the Lord. And they brought forth the sick and laid them in the streets just so Peter's shadow. He, it's not that he doesn't want to pray for him. He ain't got time. It was a tremendous revival. But then... It begins to move into ministry. See, this is the hard thing is you can't organize revival. You, 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 you just got to let it flow and you got to go with it. And, and, and you got to run as fast as you can and pray to God for strength to keep running. And then they go through so many amazing things and Paul gets saved and, 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 and Philip goes down and gets a promotion from waiting on tables to being an evangelist. He gets translated from one geographical place to another. The, the, the treasure of Egypt gets saved. All the, and Saul, he, he has this manifestation. Peter goes down and, and, and all the Gentiles get filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and all these things are happening. And I want you to look at chapter 12. Because this is where God put this burden on my heart.
Now about that time, Acts 12 verse 1, about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. See, now the church had grown strong. Real strong. And when churches get strong, it affects politics and money. So Herod comes along, verse 2, and he kills James, the brother of John, with a sword. One of the apostles. First one to go. Just kills him. I'm sure that hurt the church. Shocked the church. Probably had discussions. Why did he die, Pastor? Jesus said, he, the, the enemy won't hurt a hair on, the, on your head. How, come they, how could James die? I've been preaching the gospel for 41 years now. And if I've learned anything, is don't try to answer questions when you don't have an answer. I don't know why. But I know why they live. Amen. I don't know why he died. I have a suspicion, but it makes people feel guilty, so I don't talk about it. But I have a suspicion that the church got lazy and wasn't praying. Because so much goes on based on the prayers of God's people. But because it's prayer... You can't draw a line between that hour you spent on your face and this person that got delivered in Oregon. So you got to faith it. You got to believe that your prayer time is important. And when you do, then you won't let anything steal it. But I, I don't know. There may have been other things, but that's my suspicion. So verse 3, And because he saw it pleased the Jews, the leaders, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. So because of the holiday, they didn't kill Peter. Can you imagine if they'd killed Peter? They killed James. We're talking Peter, James, and John. We're talking one of the, the three, the closest associates of Jesus. So now Peter's life is in the balance. Verse 4, And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. But I want you to see verse 5. I know it's in your Bible. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for Him. Let me read it again in case you missed it. Prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for Him. You see, that's why I have this suspicion that, they, that the church got lazy. It's easy to do. 
See, I want to be able to talk about this without you feeling guilty. I want to be able to talk about this to make you hungry. Amen? Thank God the tide turned. See, I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. They come in. He comes in and he kills, he kills James. I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. You want to know exactly what happened? They killed James. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. And he saved them out of their distresses. That's what happened. See, see, James, the devil takes him out by surprise. But it was enough to wake him up. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works among the children of men. Wake up, church! That same church in Abacan. Second time I was there. I went out on the very first service. It was an evening service. I hadn't taught the students. The first service was public, packed with people. And I walked out. I did exactly what the Lord told me to do. And I was scared to do it because I, I was, I don't know, me and the Lord have a thing going on. I'm just like, I obey Him, but sometimes I think He's missing it. <laughs> it's like, why do you do me this way, Lord? I went out into the pulpit and I opened my Bible and I looked around until everyone got uncomfortable. I never said a word. And eventually they start stirring. They get uncomfortable. And I said, Oleg's right here beside me translating. I said, there'll be no miracles tonight because you didn't bring the sick. No blind eyes will be opened because you didn't bring any blind people. No crippled people will walk tonight because you didn't bring any crippled people. No one will be healed because you didn't bring the sick. And I went on and on for about five minutes. And it got really uncomfortable. And then I closed my Bible. And I said, I'll see you tomorrow night. And I left. Pastor wasn't real happy with me. Morning, I taught the students three hours in the morning. And then I came back, and before I got to the church, I realized God is pretty cool because there was nowhere to park, and I was early. And then I got into the building, and you couldn't see the aisle because they were sitting in the floors. And I walked into the, into the room, and it stunk. It stunk because there were so many sick people in the room. And there was a woman there. They were going to amputate her leg the next day. So the kids went to the hospital and brought her to the service. And I laid hands on her and didn't feel nothing. Sometimes you don't feel anything. Might as well prayed for a fence post. I didn't feel anything. But I prayed for her. I did what God told me to do. Oh, praise God. The next day, she came into church and asked, because the Bible school was private, you know, but they asked if she could come in and testify to the students. Not only was she walking, her, her leg, which was as black as Karen's boots, her one leg was black. 
It was cracked and split and gangrene. It stunk. And it wasn't black, it was hot pink. And there were no cracks. And Grandma, this woman was an old woman, pulling up her dress and showing all the students her leg was the most exciting thing them boys had ever seen. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works among the children of men! So, so that's, I, I think that's what happened. So prayer was made without ceasing. Now, it's a little bad translation. I don't know what the new translations say. But this word is the same word used when Jesus was in the garden. The Bible says he prayed more earnestly. He prayed more earnestly. More earnestly. Sometimes you've got to pray through. Sometimes it's not enough. And you know when it's not enough. Sometimes you need to sleep on it and do it again in the morning. They prayed without ceasing. And we know what happened. We know, stand up on your feet. We know what happened. An angel shows up. Peter's chained to two, two soldiers. The chains fall off. He's delivered. The door opens by itself. Gates open. Peter goes to the prayer meeting. They think he's an angel. If you read it, you'll find out they were praying in more than one place. See, that's one thing I know is prayer will break out. Prayer will break out into different places. About 10 days ago, Pastor Joe, 70 years old, went to be with Jesus. That's when this burden really came on me. These people were asking me, why'd this happen? Well, on the one hand, he's in a much better place. I don't know about you, but I heard heaven's a pretty good place. I rejoice, he's in heaven. And, and the Lord promised us 70 years and he got God's promise. Could he have had more? Yeah, he could have had more. I don't know everything. I don't know why. But I don't want it to be the case that we weren't praying. And maybe it was. But if it was, then we cry unto the Lord in our distress and he delivers us. I don't think James should have died either, but he did. And the church suffered loss. I think James probably was a man of faith. Hello? But we lost him. But then the the church woke up and we didn't lose Peter. I'm going to tell you in the natural and in the spirit. So listen closely to the next few things I say. There's a lot at stake right now. 
in several churches, in several places, in several lives, in several countries, among different ministers, churches, ministries, that if the church, the praying church is lazy, we're gonna have and suffer more loss. But not on our watch. I said not on our watch. Because not only are we already trained and equipped, we're also walking in love and the compassion of the Lord. There's a lot you don't know about. There's a lot I don't know about. There's a lot that turns on consequence. Imagine if Peter had been killed. What might not have happened? Or the Lord would have had to raise up another. We're at a moment of consequence. The devil's trying to remove ministers through sickness and disease. The devil's trying to remove ministers through sin. The devil's trying to remove ministers through financial burdens that are too much to carry. And spiritual pressure. There are things that will make a man like Moses commit murder. There's, there's been demonic attacks recently in, our, in, in ministries and friends of our ministry that have turned people to murder. And yet these things aren't new. But we're going to rise up and pray. Now, we're going to worship. And what I'm going to ask is that as we wind into this worship and as, it, as, as we come to the other side, so to speak, I'm going to ask you to just as you sing with your mouth, can you, can you pray? No, I don't mean listen to your neighbor sing. You don't stand there listening to your neighbor sing, do you? I'm not saying listen to your neighbor pray. No, no, I'm saying you open your mouth and you pray. They say, well, pastor, what should I pray about? All the things you just heard me preach. All the scriptures you heard. If you need to start in Colossians, Go to Colossians, as Pastor prayed in, in the very, very beginning. If you need to, you were there in Acts 4, just go ahead and pray that one. It still works. It's still relevant. But what I'm asking you to do is take this worship service into a time of praying. And I, and I, I, I just can't emphasize it enough. There's something about praying out loud. Why? Because when you pray quiet, you just kind of cave in. Sometimes you've got to stir yourself up. And it's all right if you need to walk around a little bit and pace. That would be just fine. If you feel led to come to the altar and get on your face and weep before the Lord, you do so. If you, if you need to put your face against the wall like Isaiah did and Bob Hawk, then you put your face against the wall. Amen? Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness. Lift your hands up. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we enter into Your presence. We move 
from the ministry of the Word to the ministry of the Spirit. We move by faith into the throne room of God. We enter boldly into your presence by the Spirit of the Lord. We come because we are invited. O Holy Ghost, draw us near. We thank you that our hands are washed, our bodies are washed, our lives are washed by the blood of the Lamb. We are the redeemed of the Lord. 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 tonight but we're here until until we break through something and so I'm going to stir you up for a moment that we're going to pray church listen the Bible is full of examples of people that came and cried out to Jesus cried out to the Lord and they didn't look dignified when they did it man they were sold for their cause It didn't matter if people around them were telling them to be quiet. It didn't matter what people thought of them. But they cried out, and each and every time they got their answer. We can look at the Old Testament. Look at the story that that Apostle Dale read to us out of uh, Moses coming in and being the rescuer that God sent him to be. Listen, God had prophesied hundreds of years earlier that this day was going to come. And here were people crying out to the Lord and brought it to pass. Look at Daniel. Daniel found in Isaiah where it said that we're going to be delivered after this many years. And he prayed it out. And look what happened. Their deliverance came. It is no different today. Remember the persistent widow that kept coming to the judge? The judge granted her finally justice. And Jesus said, you know what? God is nothing like that judge. He grants justice swiftly. And then he asked a question. Will he find faith in the earth when he comes? So we're going to pray. You can, like, like Apostle said, you can walk around. You pray in the Spirit. Look, when you pray in the Spirit, you're praying out the mysteries of God and pray with the expectation that He's going to give you now the English to pray out. Father, I ask You, Lord, give us what You want to pray out. Father, I'm asking you, by your Spirit, move upon the people right now. Put in them what you want spoken, what you want declared, what you want interceded. Father, I thank you that you reveal to us the the secret thing to declare, the secret thing to pray out. Father, you said it's your joy to reveal the secrets to your children, to your people. So, Father, we ask you, put it in us. Put it in us. Show us how to pray. Just give yourself over to the Spirit of the Lord and say, I'm yours. And then pray in that. Pray it out. Pray in the Spirit. 
Father, we, we expect you to give us your, the knowledge of your will right now. Lord, put it inside each and every person here. Lord, we need help in this land. We need rescued in this place. We need deliverance, Father. We need to have your fire come in and clean house. Clean our hearts out. Lord, we bless you for the blood. We bless you for setting us free. But Lord, we want more. We don't want to have church as normal. We don't want to have church as culture around us. But Father, we want to be your hands and feet in the earth. We want to bring it to pass like you said. When you come, you're going to find Lancaster to be a place of faith. You're going to find man's choice to be a place of faith. You're going to find Delta, Colorado to be a place of faith. You're going to find York to be a place of faith. Oh, we bless you, Lord. You're going to find Titusville to be a place of faith. Oh, Bayarabahaso. Come on, pray, church. Hallelujah. We have an example in Chronicles where they worship, they sent worshipers out before their enemy. There was a time, a crisis, where they cried out to the Lord. And something that happened that I want to point that I really uh, feel uh, bears witness with us tonight is that the Lord sent the ambushments and the confusion into the enemy camp. And Father, we pray that right now in the name of Jesus. Father, the enemy, uh, he's been the enemy from the beginning. And we pray that there is confusion and ambushments brought that they fall on one another. And, and they prey on each other. And, and because of that, the deliverance is realized. And we thank you for that deliverance now. And we give you all the honor and praise because it is your battle, Lord. It is your battle on our behalf. <laughs> Woo! It is your battle, Lord. And you give us the victory. We cry out in our distress, and you deliver. (laughs) 
Thank you, Jesus. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, church, because the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's because we as a church give Him permission to move on this earth. We give Him the permission. We grant Him access. And Father, tonight we're granting access for the ministering spirits to go out and do their work. And Father, your ministering spirits, we send them out in the name of Jesus. On the behalf of Bill, Pastor Bill, we send them out in Jesus' name. Because our, our victory, the victory is ours. In Jesus' name. How many of you know in your heart that every single word in this book is going to be fulfilled? Every word from Genesis to Revelation, every word is going to be fulfilled. Matthew 24, thank you, is the longest sermon in the Bible that Jesus gave. It really is Matthew 24 and 25. And it all started off with the disciples asking, what is the sign and what is the signs of the end of the age? The longest sermon Jesus gave was in that. I, I'm sure you've all read it, but something that caught my eye as I was reading this again is in verse 20. How many of you know everything Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 25 is going to happen? I don't know if it's our lifetime. Don't know. None of us know. But in the middle of that, in verse 20, he says, And pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. Why did God put that verse right in the middle of all this destruction in Israel? Because God invites you to pray. He invites you to partner in with his heart. God honors your prayers so much that they can change the season and the day. They're that valuable. They're that important. God remains the same, but your prayers change circumstances, change the hearts of people, change. Change comes from prayers. And God invites you, God the Father invites you to partner in with his very heart and pray out. And God said, I'll honor your prayers. I would just listen to a podcast of Corey Tin Boom when she got ushered into the communist camps. She had one bottle of medicine for her sister, and it was going to last seven days. When she got there, she discovered there were seven other ladies who had the same disease that her sister had. And she bowed her head and said, Father, I can't just give it to my sister. I have to give it to these other ladies too. 
please, I ask you to multiply this. And she started giving out the medicine to all eight of them. And what would have lasted seven days for her sister lasted seven weeks for eight people. God's a God of multiplication. He's a God of increase. He will answer. He will answer your prayers specifically, individually, corporately. God is longing that you pray out loud. Out, Jesus, Jesus prayed with loud cries unto the Father. And he was heard by his loud cries, his petitions, his groanings came up to the ears of his father and his father answered his prayers you are no different church you are no different the father loves you as much as he loves jesus so see yourself as jesus praying with loud cries father we lift up pastor bill hake to you right now Father, we ask for your mercy first, your great mercy upon this man of God's life, Father. We thank you for your mercy, spirit, soul, and body. Satan, you take your hands off his body in the name of Jesus. Father, breathe a new life into him. Every cell in his body alive unto God, alive unto God, increasing multiplying duplicating live healthy cells overtaking in his body right now in the name of jesus breathe afresh and anew into his spirit lord put that fight fight a heaven in him right now in the name of jesus encourage him like you did your son encourage his spirit encourage his soul strengthen him from his inner man lord jesus and raise him up father he's not done he's got great promise great purpose in his life there's much work for this man to do and we stand in the gap as intercessors standing father hear our prayer tonight as we stand for this man of god and we say no to the devil and yes to you, Father, that your purposes, your plans for this man of God will go forth and he will fulfill every single thing that you had in your heart, Father, before the foundations of the earth. Every day will be filled with what you desire in this man of God and what you desire is health, health, spirit, soul, and body, healing, that is your desire, Father. You've already said it in your book. So we come in agreement with you. You've invited us into your heart tonight. And we say yes. We say yes, Father. Have your way in this man of God's life. Have your way, Father. Speak it forth. Declare it so. And yes, we say yes to you, Lord. By the stripes of Jesus, this man of God. Healed by the blood of your son jesus christ and father we thank you we thank you we thank you with our hearts lord because you long to answer our prayers you long you long for it so father we honor you tonight we thank you for this solemn assembly 
we thank you that you've heard and we bless you and honor you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we just lift up this service tomorrow to you. And Father, I ask you to bring in the people that need to be there. Put a supernatural draw upon them that they would come in and that your word will c come right in and bring the dividing line between life and death. The dividing line between health and sickness. Father, we call those that come healed in the name of Jesus. And Father, I ask you to encounter every one of them and that they would come in with hearts prepared to receive. Lord, I lift pa uh, Apostle Dale up to you and I ask you to give him the word to speak. Make the word plain through him. Lord, give us ears to hear it and hearts to receive it and to walk in it. I thank you, Father, for victory. I thank you for overcoming victory in Jesus' name. The danger is that we get short-sighted. That we focus on just what's going on here tonight and tomorrow and forget that there's a bigger plan in play. There's a much bigger plan in play. Back in the early part of the 1900s, there was an outpouring that went around the world and literally people around the world got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And Stanley Frodsham was trying to figure out how that happened and he tracked it down to one eight-year-old orphan girl. And she began to, to, she got saved and filled with the Spirit and began to pray. And every night when the people in her house went to bed, she went to prayer. And the other girls in her house said, tell her that she's keeping us up at night. And she said, I can't not pray. I can't not pray. And she got every one of the girls in her house saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And that whole house began to pray every night. And they began to see that house set on fire for God. And the older girls said, what's going on in the little girl's room? Jesus showed up. And all of the girls in the big girls' room got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And then all of the boys got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And then it spread because they said, can, can we go to town? Can we go to town and, and, and tell the people in town about this? Let's not get short-sighted. God's got something way bigger in mind than tonight. Hallelujah. I saw two things tonight in the prayer room when we when we were praying. I, I prayed and while I was praying, I saw a veil and it was just cracked a teeny bit. And I said, Lord, lift your veil, lift your veil. And I saw a peep of the glory of God. And he, he wants through prayer to bring that veil, open the veil up for the glory of God. And then as we were out here praying, praying and, or well, I guess Dale was preaching too, sorry. Uh, I felt I, the word crescendo, is that correct? Crescendo, crescendo. Yes, I looked it up. It's the loudest point reached in a gradual increasing sound. The highest point reached in a progressive increase of intensity. 
the hysteria reached a crescendo around the spring festival and I saw a wave and it builds and it builds an example of the surfer waiting and watching each for each wave waiting for the wave the some grow tired of waiting some fall asleep on their board some go home because they've got things to do some just give up but some pressed into their board lay ready to go like the ten virgins there it is the wave the wave and they get on their feet and they ride that great wave and God said it's up to us through our prayers what do we want from God how much of his glory do we want he wants to bring it and I don't know that Bill's not the catalyst Whoa. father I just thank you for that wave Lord I thank you for that veil father I thank you for lifting that veil and revealing your glory father we want all of your glory Lord and we are agreed tonight to, to press in and to pray for your glory father for that wave we want to ride that wave father small waves and then larger and larger and larger until we get to the big wave father we thank you for your glory father we thank you for your glory we thank you father for your glory brings healing brings life brings joy we thank you father for that glory in jesus name thank you jesus Lord, I ask you for a spirit of intercession to come upon us. Come within me. I ask it for me. Who else wants it? Come on, ask him for it. With your own mouth, lift up your mouth and pray to the Lord. Lift up those that you know are sick. Pray to the Lord. Intercede on their behalf. Lift up those in your life that you know don't know Jesus as Lord. And intercede for them. Father, we just thank you for hearing our cry tonight. Lord, we, we lift up these individuals to you and we say be healed, be full of life, be full of strength. And, and, and God, do it in such a way that everyone knows it was Jesus. It was Jesus. Father, I ask you to encounter them with your love, with a realization of your great mercy, of your faithfulness. And we call them up, up, up in Jesus' name into the purposes and plans of God to walk in a way that brings you glory. And Father, we want to be a part of it. So bring these people to us that we might lift them up and pray it out and declare it out. I thank you for it. Father, I thank you for your spirit of intercession being here right now. I see it. I see it. Bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. Oh. Esto salama caída cum brazo tacayedo rados toso In this environment, I sense the Spirit of the Lord. Father, as you 
touch each heart and life within the sound of my voice that you would increase the pressure of repentance that you would bring forth upon the hearts of those who have an ear to hear your draw your call Lord to, to lay down the unholy thing to put aside that which would even distract that they would lay aside even that which would slow them down the sin that easily besets them that they might run with patience the race that is set before them looking to you Lord that they would not just think about you not just have a knowledge about you but that they would look to you Lord that they would see you Lord that the pure in heart would see God Lord I'm asking yes sir I'm asking you to give them an open vision I'm asking you that you would empower them and enable them to see you Lord even as you're sweeping in the Muslims that they're coming by droves because you've chosen to appear to them Lord you said that we're to look to Jesus I'm asking you I can't look at a wall I can't look in the dark I can't look on the ground you said for me to look to you Lord I'm asking that you touch the hearts of those within the sound of my voice to abandon their sin to run from their sin to come before you and receive forgiveness of sin that repentance true repentance would well up in our heart Lord we would lay bare our heart like ground to be dug up, rooted up, cultivated, and prepared for a new planting of the Lord. A new planting of the Lord. What, what a wonderful planting of the Lord I see coming into the lives of people. Father, that you would do that for them. That you would bring forth a manifestation of fruitfulness and abundance. Fruitfulness in abundance and where there was just a trickle or where there was just a little that you would bring a lot that you would bring abundant harvest to hearts that are purified and clean before you Lord now lift your hands up people and respond and repent and repent I'm calling on you everywhere Jesus went he preached repentance he didn't just pray it he preached it it's time to turn to the Lord it's time to break up the fallow ground it's time to begin again a new planting of the Lord in my heart a new planting of the Lord in my, the soil of my spirit make me clean Lord white as snow renew my heart before you Lord cleanse me Cleanse me, cleanse me, forgive me, forgive me. And Lord, you said, yes, Lord, you said, if we see a brother or a sister who, who, who sinned, uh, that we would ask and you would give life for them. You said in some cases that the husband would sanctify the wife, that the wife would sanctify the husband, like, like, like casting a robe upon them and covering them. Lord, we thank you that we would call out our brothers and our sisters, our neighbors, our family, those that you've placed upon our life. Lord, forgive them. Pardon them. Oh, 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 Lord, be gracious to them. Please, Father, according to Thy Word, be gracious to them. Lord, that they might open their heart to receive and be saved 
and be healed and be set free and yes, be delivered, be completely delivered. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I ask for life, life, give life to them in Jesus name. Masahala matekehe ukaramale enze soto o ramalengusta te beheste brimbaye do ko ramalekede angel angel mekorabada susa oh from the top to the bottom lord from the top to the bottom Lord, as you bless our president, as you bless every secretary working in the White House, Lord, from the top to the bottom, every secret service agent, every police officer, every Capitol Police officer, Lord, I thank you that your spirit descends even right now upon the White House. Lord, that you would bless in every corner, in every area. Lord, there'd be no shadows in any room but what your light fills it. We thank you for it, Father. I thank you for it, Father. Oh, 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 you said that we should call forth, Lord, laborers for the harvest that we would pray the, the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into His harvest. Uh, even as they prayed and you sent forth Moses. E- even as they prayed and you sent forth the apostles. Lord, we pray for laborers in the harvest. That you would raise up the new generation of leaders. That you would la- raise them up and anoint their tongue. Lord, that you would give them and fill them with boldness. That you would give them words that are full of life. Words that are full of power. That they speak as, as Jesus spoke with a wisdom that could not be confounded, nor debated, nor resisted. I thank you for the next generation of leaders. I call up upon them to come forth in Jesus' name. Apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, we call them forth in the name of Jesus.
One thing we haven't done uh, specifically in prayer, I, I want to pray for you to be for a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost. Just lift your hands up. You know, the baptism of the Spirit is an experience that begins a journey. But being filled fresh is every morning. Oh, I thank you, Lord. Even as I present myself to you, a living sacrifice. Oh, breathe on us, O breath of God. Breathe on us, O breath of God. We receive a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost. Breathe in now. A fresh infilling of the Spirit of God. Oh, Father, animate our bodies. Animate our lives. Oh, every cell of our beings full of the Spirit of God. I receive that now from you, O Father. I receive. You said if a son would ask, you would grant, Lord. How much more would you give the Holy Spirit to those that ask? I'm asking, Lord. We're asking, Lord. I want, Lord. I desire, Lord. I covet, Lord, the gifts of the Spirit. I covet the gifts of the Spirit severally as You would. Lord, as You would distribute them, I thank You, Lord, that You flow through our lives with supernatural power. We covet it. We desire it. We want it, Lord. More and more and more of the Spirit of the Lord. I know it will turn by the supply of the Spirit of Jesus through Your prayers. I thank You, Lord, for that supply, fresh supply of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Oh, Ramale Kese, no Ramanda If you've never prayed in tongues, just start right now. Just take a step and begin to speak. Speak out in another tongue. Branda Ramante, Ibramalejeste, Icaramoloco, O Ramalejeste, Sehe, Ivaramalakese, Ebramalacas, Sihitaka. We're going to take authority over the lion spirit that has tried to bring deception and cause you to enter into confusion. There's a lion spirit that said you couldn't do it, and the Spirit of God says, I'll make you do it if you allow me. I'll equip you and I'll give you the grace to empower you to get it done in this season. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, we take authority over that lying devil that has tried to deceive our brother or sister. In the name of Jesus Christ, you be free now in Jesus' name.
Somebody needs to shout in this house. I said you need to shout in this house. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Okay, now we're going to take authority over the spirit of death that has tried to assault even people in this house recently. And what I'm saying is that death spirit has no place because the spirit of life is available to you and me in Christ Jesus. So, Father, we take authority in the name of Jesus Christ over the spirit of death. We break its power now in Jesus' name. We release you. We release your household. We release your business. We release your family, your babies, in the name of Jesus. Now, Spirit of Life, manifest, 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 manifest in the name of the Lord. Now, give Him praise. 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 Oh, he's worthy, church. He's worthy, church. Oh, him and him alone is worthy. Oh, to him be all the honor, all the glory, all the praise. Hallelujah. 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 I will release my fire, saith the Spirit of God. I'll release my fire on those that will pursue my presence. Those that will take the time and set themselves apart to me, I will release my fire, and they will experience what you have read about in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. The fire will burn out the chaff that has held you back. The fire will come and consume the thing, the worry, the trouble, the concern that has held you or led you astray in the past. And my fire shall burn, and you will become purified in my presence, saith the Lord. And I will raise you up. In the day and the hour in which you will walk in, and my glory shall be seen upon your life and through your life, and I will manifest my presence beyond what you've seen in the past, and I will elevate you because you took the time to humble yourself before my mighty hand, and I will exalt my people who will understand that it is a pursuit of my presence in which you will be changed and be glorified in, saith the Spirit of grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. He anare. He valala masse. Ora manaye. Hallelujah, Lord. He varano serere arano. El arana eso, iba la nae. Lift your hands and just sing out in the spirit. I don't need to hear you, but you ought to hear yourself. Ova rana e, sola rana e, eva la nae. 
Exercise authority in the name of Jesus and take that authority now in his name over tomorrow's service at the Abundant Life Center. We will go there, Father, at your command in the name of Jesus. Therefore, O Heavenly Father, I ask that you would prepare their hearts our hearts as good ground that the word spoken will produce that for which you intend it that it will not return void but it shall accomplish that which you please I thank you that faith will rise up in the lives of the people I thank you that fear will be driven out I thank you for manifestations of the spirit I count on them. I call on them now. Let there be manifestations of your spirit and demonstrations of your power. Stretch forth your hand to heal in the name of Jesus. And I bless you for Pastor Bill. I bless you for those others who will come who I do not know their name nor their need nor their heart cry. But you know, Lord, and I ask that they're ready, that when hands are laid upon them, the shout of praise will rise up. That as we've been taught of the point of contact, that there will be a point of contact tomorrow about which there will be no question and from which there will be no stepping back or, or fading back. But your word and your name will be glorified in Jesus' name. No, 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 no. I'll not postpone your healing power. I thank you it flows even now mightily in their bodies. But I ask, Lord, that you would bring us to a place of releasing our faith in such a manner that it will bless all who are there. And every chain must come off. Every chain must come off. Every prison door must be opened. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. (laughs) 
Hallelujah. That's, that's what I believe. That's what I believe. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's what I believe. Now, I want to I wanna close. We've got the address. is Abundant Life Center, 3930 Farm Drive. Everybody say 3930 Farm Drive. You can find it on your Google Maps. It's not too hard. Amen. First time I went there was because Janny Grind uh, took me there. We flew down in a plane, and that was a miracle. I guess you call it a plane. There's four of us in this little four-seater. <laughs> and uh, I got to meet Bill, and we had such a kindred spirit. 3930 Farm Drive. 9.30 in the morning is the first session. We'll be teaching on healing. 10.30 will be the worship service but in the healing meeting. If you've got some sick neighbors, put them in the back of your car or load them up in the trunk and uh, bring them. And uh, we're going to see the power of God set them free. Hallelujah. If you have needs yourself, at the same time, we're asking you to bring your faith into the room. Don't you walk in there as a, a, uh, 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 part- or a spectator. I want you to walk in as a participator. So what that means is when you go home tonight and you go about your house, don't let up what he's doing right now in your heart. So I don't know what your evening habits are, but maybe you're going to make yourself a cup of herbal tea and sit there on your couch we we'll invite the Holy Spirit to have a cup of tea with you and sit there with Him and commune with Him and go over some of the things He's already started to deal with you about. Eventually, you'll make your way up and get ready and prepare to go to bed. Well, that's fine. You pull them sheets up and, and, and you, you continue to talk to the Lord. And, and you can lift your hands up above those sheets and say, Good night. Oh, Father, thank you. We'll talk more tomorrow. He doesn't sleep, you know. He'll be there when you wake up. When you open your eyes, he'll say, oh, finally. He'll say, finally. Might be three in the morning. He might stir on you and say, no, no, you don't need to get up to use the restroom. You need to get up and get on your knees. Come on. Hallelujah. Just flow in the Spirit. Who knows where he'll take you? Hallelujah. What he'll show you. Because you're a child of God. and He loves you so much. Amen. How many of you know the Lord loves you? Turn to your neighbor and tell them the Lord loves you. Well, we love you too. So you're dismissed tonight. One way we love God is by loving on one another. Hope we can see you in the morning. It means a lot to me. Bless you as you go. Good evening, everyone. Wow, what a night. Family from Colorado, from Bedford, from Titusville, all over. We're so gl- From where? Colorado. Colorado. How did I forget Colorado? Glory to God. 
Jesus is in the house tonight. Glory to God. Amen. Psalms 145, the word of the Lord. I will exalt you, my God, my King, and I'll bless your name forever and ever. Every day I'll bless you. I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. We shall speak of the glory of your kingdom. Well, let's stand tonight as family. And let's just get our hearts fully surrendered and submitted to the Lord, the very presence of the Lord tonight. And let's give him our praise and our worship. Amen. Jesus, you brought that freedom through your blood, through your burial, your crucifixion, your, your resurrection and ascension, and you bought it for each and every one of us. Jesus, we thank you that you're the head of the church and you're the head of this body tonight. We thank you. We honor you. We lift you up tonight, Jesus. We welcome you and celebrate your presence have your way, Holy Spirit, among us tonight. Have your way. Say that. Have your way in me. Make it personal. Have your way in me, Holy Spirit. Jesus, have your way in my heart. Have your way. We just celebrate you, Lord. We thank you for your presence tonight. It's so precious. We look to you. We honor you. And we thank you in advance for what you're going to do tonight. Our expectancy is up. Hallelujah. Well, one way we love God tonight in this house is by loving one another. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm glad you're here. Is your expectancy up? The juniors may stay in the church tonight. Well, we're so glad you're all with us tonight. We've got people from out of state here. We're glad to have Pastor Jay from Colorado. He's with us. We've got Bob Hawk and Pat Murphy's and his wife are here. So we're glad to see all of you tonight, but we'd like to give a special welcome to anyone that's here for the first time. So could you raise your hand if you're here for the very first time? Right here in the back. Well, we're glad you're with us. I trust you'll be blessed. All right. Well, we are going to return the tithe to the Lord this evening. You know, scripture says it belongs to him. So if you need a cash envelope, raise your hand. 
ushers will see that you get one. If you're giving by credit card, please fill out all of the blanks. If you're giving by check, you can make it out to CWI. And I'm going to um, speak to you a little bit tonight about sewing. You know, sewing is different than tithing. Uh, sewing comes after you've tithed. That belongs to the Lord, Malachi says. That's the tenth. So sewing is what you do beyond the tithe. So turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I had started reading last week in verse 6. Um, and we're going to pick up where we stop. So we're going to start reading in verse 10. It says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. It says, Now he who supplies. Do you know you've got a God in heaven, a Father who loves you, and who supplies. It says, He who supplies. There is a supplier. You are not limited to what you have available just on your own. He supplies. Every need, every obstacle you could come up against, he's got an answer. He's got a provision. You know, he is the source. End of it. He is the supply. So let's be clear about that. It says he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Well, what is that? Well, we know bread is like your daily sustenance, what you need from the day to day. Well, what's this seed? It says he supplies it to a certain individual, the sower, not the hoarder. So, so what is this seed? Well, seed, if you think of it in farmer's terms, the seed is something that germinates and produces more. Right? If you have any farmers here in the house, you don't go put your entire crop into the ground again. A portion of it. So seed is a portion. And, you know, you, you do that. You hold on to that. To, to, um, the plan is to put it into the ground at a later time with the intent it's going to produce a harvest. Right? When I was little, you know, my dad, he did many things, but he was a grain farmer also in addition to the other things that he did. And he would save back his best soybeans. He'd save them aside in a hopper wagon. And the intent was those were the best. It was as good, good beans, you know. And the point was that saving that aside for planting in the spring, and that was going to yield him harvest. That was the plan. Well... Unfortunately, he had two little kids that uh, liked to climb up in that hopper wagon and play something we called tornado, which is where you went like this with the beans and just threw out all his seed. So I don't know. We played the part of the destroyer or the devourer in that case, you know, or we'd throw them on the tin walls, you know, and we never could figure out how Dad figured this out. Well, you know, he'd come out in the barn and all his precious seed is on not fertile ground, but hard cement, not going to produce anything. <laughs> so anyways, let me tell you, it was not a good day on the days that Dad came out and saw soybeans on the barn floor. Anyways, well, he had the expectation of a good harvest with that seed. So talking about, I'm talking about bringing the seen realm meeting the unseen. So, you know, you, everything you give as a seed, it has to be from a heart of faith. Okay, so that farmer, if you think of it in the natural, he's got to have something natural in his hand that he's putting into the ground, but with faith and expectancy and confidence, it's going to produce. So you've you got to have the both. And it says here, so he gives 
seed to the sower. So he's looking for individuals that God can get his resources through. You know, would he come over here and say, you know what, I'm going to make sure Jay's got seed because he's a sower. You know, I can trust him to, to give that on over to the rest of my kids. I'm going to make sure he is supplied with seed. He's looking for those sowers. It says uh, he will also supply and increase your store of seed. So do you have one? Do you have a storehouse of seed? It says he's going to increase that. He'll supply it and increase that. You know, I remember when we saw this, and at that time, our, um, we didn't have enough to even, like the income that was coming in, that wasn't enough, right? So tithing was, that, that was a step of faith. Okay, but we saw this and we said, well, we, we're going to give something beyond the tithe. I mean, we didn't have enough anyway, so we're giving beyond the tithe. So we started with $5. We're going to get $5 beyond the tithe. And that was a real stretch. But I'm telling you, I am blown away when I see our storehouse of seed, because we created one. We created a bank account. That's our storehouse of seed. I'm telling you, that has multiplied so many thousands percent over. It's, it's just, it keeps growing. God is supplying our storehouse of seed. It works exactly as it says here. It says, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. If you back up to verse 9. It said that they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, and it calls it righteousness, calls it an act of righteousness. So God is big on, on helping the poor and giving generously to the poor. And so enlarging the harvest of your righteous acts, I mean, that's in the context that we're talking here, this giving to the poor. Verse 11 says, you, implication here is you the sower, you will be enriched in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. Because, see, that's the purpose. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Well, hallelujah. Aren't you glad? We have a God who supplies. He's looking for sowers. And there's more where that came from. So let's, let's be sowing and let's look to him to supply every need, every obstacle you can come up against. He has an answer. All right, well, let's pray over the tithe. Father, we thank you so much that you're faithful, that you are the source, that you are the supply, and there's endless supply with you. So, Father, we just thank you. We give you praise for meeting our needs. We thank you for providing for us so well. We thank you that your thoughts are always good towards us. And as we trust you and lean on you and expect from you, Lord, that you will do what you said you would and that you will provide answers, provide provision. So thank you so much. We just present you our tithe tonight gratefully in the name of Jesus and amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets and the people will return that to the Lord. All right, tomorrow night is youth and young adults impact here at the church, 6 p.m. Please bring your friends. If you know of anybody that would like to have a good fellowship group to hang out with, Tomorrow morning was supposed to be CityGate. That's been rescheduled. I think most of you that were part of the CityGate team have been made aware of that, but in case you're not, just so you know, CityGate's not happening tomorrow morning. So Christmas party, it's already it's coming up on us. So mark your calendars for December 10th. Save the date. There is a uh, new missions letter also in the back lobby. So if you'd like to... Read that. You can pick that up on your way out.
All right, Pastor, you know, this special man of God has a birthday Monday, so maybe we can sing for him. (laughs) Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Sandy. Happy birthday to you. Thank you for that. Turning 33 again. I figure Terry can do it. I can too, right? Actually, um, interestingly, there's studies done that the most successful years of a man's life were between 60 and 80. Yeah. And so uh, we're just getting started. A good running start. Amen. Well, I want to encourage you on something. And um, actually, two things, maybe three or four. Um, The first is, you know, what Jen was was teaching us about sowing. You know, who put the law of sowing and effect into motion? I mean, sowing and reaping into motion. The Lord did, back at creation. You know, that was the first gift that He gave to man was the law of sowing and reaping. You can go read about it in in Genesis chapter 1. And... You can plant something and it will absolutely grow. When you put corn in the ground, it's going to grow. If you plant finances, it will grow. You don't even have to have faith for it to grow. It will grow. What you have to have faith for is to harvest it. Because if you put corn in the ground and you don't have faith that it's going to grow, you're never going to come back to check to reap your harvest. You're just not even going to go for it because it doesn't work that way. Meanwhile, someone is out there reaping that corn. And so for you and me, let's put our faith to the harvest. All right? The law works, the sowing and reaping law, but let's you and I put our faith out to reap on what we're sowing and to bring it in. Because we're coming into a time where, man, we're going to need it to be able to accomplish what God wants to do in these end times. We need supernatural abundance and increase to come through the house of God all around the world. 